Hey everybody, this is David Delaney with the Sales Development Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show or new to this series, we're doing a four-part series going from being in the corporate world to becoming an entrepreneur. And we call it the Freedom Fighter Series. It's a little bit different than how we usually do it, where we talk to sales development leaders and, and professionals to get their strategies and tips. But super relevant to anybody in the sales development world because at the end of the day, we're in charge of our own destiny here and we are sort of entrepreneurs within the companies where we work. So I really hope that you enjoy this and we'll do four of these and then we'll go back to our regularly scheduled programming of talking to leaders in the sales development space and reps in the sales development space. Thank you so much. Please do leave a comment and let us know if you like this series, if you want more, if you want to talk to more entrepreneurs, and if you don't like it, we, love, we want to hear that as well. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm David Delaney, your host, and I'm joined today with someone who's made an expertise of a philosophy that I'm very interested in. I want to pick your brains about this. Mr. Leo Quinn, marketing consultant and better yet known as a marketing implementer because people know what to do. They just are not doing it. Mr. Leo Quinn, thanks for joining us today. Nice to be here, David. Thank you very much. I am excited to talk to you. I want to know, you know how you got into marketing consulting and becoming an implementer. And I also want to talk to you about the go for no philosophy because you had heard one of our podcasts from a while back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't listened to this or read the book called Go For No, we actually had the author on the show. This is probably like a year ago or more, and we dived into this philosophy. And I, I, Leo is actually living this philosophy and using it. But Leo, if folks are not familiar with you and your work as a marketing implementer, how'd you get into this line of work and what brings you on the show? Well, it's funny, I, I, going way back, I started my own business right out of college. I took, a, I took my finance degree and I started a carpet cleaning business. So you can imagine my parents were very proud, <laughs> paid for my college education. But I had a job in a big company during college, and I just didn't like the politics of working for anybody else. So I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew that I, you know, I was always an information junkie, and I did a lot of studying on marketing. And I got a lot of ideas for other businesses other than carpet cleaning businesses. You know, I, a lot of ideas for restaurants and pizza shops and every other business you can imagine, but I didn't want to run or own any of those type businesses. So that's sort of how I sort of started or got the idea that I could be a marketing consultant. Now, when I was doing that, I was 22 years old and I figured unless I was willing to put a little gray in my hair, I wasn't going to get too many people to uh, agree to just have me tell them what to do and not do anything else. I'd love to get $25,000 to meet you with you for an hour, but I figured that wasn't going to be too realistic. So I decided to take a different tack and sort of, you know, become the implementer. A million guys can tell you what to do, but most, I think if they did a survey after consultant has delivered a report, very few of them would actually implement that report. So that's how I decided to you know, bill myself as a marketing implementer rather than just a consultant. I love that. That's amazing. So it's interesting because a couple of things, I, I know that the implementation is the tough part. I mean, just getting everybody on the same page and, and execution. I mean, even there was a book way back in the day that was kind of a classic book, Execution. You know, It was all about how do you take ideas and actually implement them? That is such an interesting specialty because you, you'll, you're not just 
coming in and giving platitudes. You're actually in there doing it and helping them actually execute. Right. Got it. Okay. And so that's interesting. So just, I want to dive into your philosophy, but as an entrepreneur coming right out, what caused you, do you remember the moment when you were like, I need to be an entrepreneur versus I'm just going to get my college degree and join a company and start working for somebody else? Sure. I don't know the exact moment, but it was, I worked for a Hearst newspaper in Albany, New York in the academic year, 87, 88, 1987, 1988. And so I, on Saturday mornings, I would go over and answer the phone in the classified department. And I worked full time that summer and I liked the job and I liked the people. I didn't like the commute because I would have to get up every morning. I'm 20 years old, get up, shower, shave, drive in heavy traffic down to the, the work, work for eight hours, drive in heavy traffic home. So I did that for a, a full summer, full time. And I decided, eh, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that my whole life. But at that point, I was in my junior year of college. And I wasn't you know, certainly brave enough to drop out. We didn't have the opportunities we have now to, for kids to, to make a living, thanks to the internet. So that was probably the summer that I decided I want to work for myself. My grand, One of my, my grandfather on my father's side owned a restaurant. My mother's father was a, owned a dairy. So I had entrepreneurism in my blood. It sort of skipped a generation. Nobody in the the next generation did something. And I think so far I'm the only one in my generation to have taken up the mantle. But I think it's it was a lot easier for me to do it while I was young than having three kids and a wife and a mortgage and all that trying to do it then. Oh my God, I know for sure. <laughs> I, I I wish that I would have started sooner. I mean, that's one 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 of my many regrets. I think <laughs> As you start to, you said it was a touch of gray. Remember that song? Yes. Touch of gray. <laughs> Once you start getting that touch of gray, it's like, God, man, I wish I, I, I'm newer to the entrepreneurial road and I wish that I would have started sooner, you know, but I never, I was raised like, okay, you get your college degree and then you go work for somebody and you do that and then you get a gold watch, you know, it was still that, that generation. Right. We didn't have this amazing opportunities. But still, I mean, it, wow. So you went and did it, and then you, you chose carpet cleaning as your vehicle. Why did you choose that? And, and well, more- there, it's funny. I, one of my college roommates, his father had been in the business for many years, and I had never even thought twice about it, but I saw an ad in the paper for Sears Carpet Cleaning. They would give you the training, the equipment, and they would let you take the equipment on evenings and weekends and get your own gigs. So that sounded like my own business to me. Fast forward a month, I went down to Georgia to a cousin's graduation from high school. I saw an ad in the paper. It said, carpet cleaning, $4.95 a room or two ninety five. dollars I can't remember. Very, very low price. And I called them up and I said, hey, I'm from New York. How do you do that? Because we're charging $13 a room up in Albany. And she said, well, we really push the Scotch Guard and the ex- deodorizer and all that stuff. So I came back. I put an ad in the paper, Saratogian in Saratoga Springs, New York, business card size ad, three rooms. $7.95 a room, a three-room minimum. So I put that ad in the paper. I had 15 calls by 10.30 in the morning. So that was the last day I worked for Sears, gave them back the machine, bought my own, and was out on my own sometime in June of 1991. <laughs> there you go. So just yeah. one little ad. It's almost like a, the original Sears thing was almost like a franchise where you got their branding and you got the advertising, but you had to lock into their system. Yes, exactly. And I just didn't, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't the salesperson. The guy that trained me was amazing at getting the upsells on the Scotch Guard and the deodorizer. And I just couldn't do that. He was a professional salesperson. And I was just a kid out of college and didn't feel right. You know, I probably wasn't a real believer in Scotch Guard and, and all that. And the deodorizer was gone in half an hour. So 
probably right. didn't feel right offering that as an <laughs> extra bonus. Yeah, I mean, if you can play into their system and you're an excellent salesperson, boom, you can do really, really well. But if, if yep. you know, if you're, if like, it was interesting because when I was first exploring entrepreneurship, I, I do, I've got the mortgage and the kids and the mm-hmm. house payments and all this stuff. And my wife was really against franchising. You know, she was just like, we just do it yourself. You know, mm-hmm. just do it yourself. And and I, I was really interested. I just wanted to lock into a system that I could then go and just sell. But I'm really glad that she talked me out of it because I, I feel like that that does put you in a kind of a straitjacket. It does. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. So you went and did that. And then, you know, you must have you must have developed this philosophy. I want to talk about how we initially, you know, met up. You had you had listened to our go for no podcast and obviously read the book, you know about this philosophy. You're actually trying to implement the philosophy. So first of all, tell me about go for no and what it is, and then what you've been doing to actually put that in practice. Well, I'm embarrassed to say I bought the Go For No book back on March 26th, 2008. That's 11 years ago. 11 years ago, I've talked about it hundreds of times since. I do local marketing meetup. I'm a speaker at local marketing meetups, and I've talked about it many, many times. I recommend it all the time. And it's a book about intentionally increasing your failure rate. The subtitle is, it's called Go For No, the subtitle being, Yes is the destination, no is how we get there. And even though I recommend it many times, talk about it many times, encourage people to get involved in their no challenge during November, I never actually did it myself. And I'll tell you, I didn't never did it because of fear. I didn't like hearing the word no. And I've really, as I think about it, in my business life since 1991 or whatever, I have not heard no 100 times meaning maybe I didn't get a response to an email. Maybe I got a no in an email, but I've never, I haven't heard the word no. No one has ever told me no 100 times because I bent over backwards not to hear the word no. So this May, I read one of Andrea's, she's the co-author, Andrea Walsh's quotes on Twitter. I can achieve every goal and reach every dream by simply hearing no more often. And the day before I saw that, I decided that I want to have some sort of summer project. And I decided my go for no challenge was going to be it. At that point, it's deciding how many no's you want to hear. One a day sounded too easy. 100 sounded too easy. 1,000 made me nervous. So I figured that would should probably be my goal. So a summer of 1,000 no's was born. <laughs> okay. All right. So tell me about this because we, so, you know, we're, we're conditioned since birth to avoid no and right and avoid rejection like you 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 don't want that it's bad it's icky it makes you feel bad to when someone rejects you and then all the the, these people are saying well actually rejection you got to get through rejection in order to be successful so so why is it so hard for us to you know hear no and and you know you had spent a lot of time avoiding no as well now you're trying to get a no so why is that so hard to hear and why are you tr- why are you doing this? Well, you like to be liked, people like to be liked and no is a rejection and no one likes to be rejected. That certainly was my philosophy. Why am I doing it now? I'm 51. You know that gray hair that I was dreaming about painting into my hair back in my 20s, I don't have to do that anymore. I've got a fair supply of it, you know, better gray than nay and I've got a little of the nay also. So my age was a factor. I'm not getting any younger. At this point, it's just me and an assistant in my business, a, you know, a virtual assistant. So if I want to 
have a nice retirement and be rich Uncle Leo so my nieces and nephews take care of me, I had to do something different, do something drastic. And in all the research I've done on this go for no stuff, I've never found anybody who took on a legitimate go for no challenge and had a poor result. So I don't want to be the first. Okay. So you made, the, you, you were coming up with a project. You said, this is going to be the summer of no. Okay. Right. A summer of a thousand no's. And so you set out that challenge to capture a thousand no's over the course of a summer. So what's your goal? Getting the no is, is the you know, activity. And mm-hmm. what is your goal beyond that no? Where does it lead to? An individual no, that's it for me. I'm, I'm talking to people on the phone. This isn't a, a situation where I have only 10 prospects and I have to keep going back for no's. So every no I get during this pro- project is it. I'm not going back for more for these, for these phone calls. There are, you know, there are situations if you're in sales and you're dealing with doctors and dentists and you have to go back every three, six, 12 months, whatever. That's not my situation here. So I'm not having to bang on anybody's door twice, which I, which I feel grateful for. So in terms of that, if that's what your question was, just I'm one and done on these notes. Got it. Okay. And then, and then do you have some kind of goal? Like you're putting yourself through this, this very challenging project because you're hearing all these no's, which nobody wants to hear. But what, what's on the other side of the no? Is there like, is there something that you're working toward on the other side of the no that's defined? Or is it just, hey, if I go out and a thousand people say no to me with my offer, something is going to materialize because yes. I talked to so many. Yeah. What yeah. Tell me about that? Exactly. Something good will happen. And the early part of this project has been calling pizza shops, talking about text message marketing, because I wanted something where there was a, a zillion and one prospects. There's a zillion and one pizza shops around. I wanted something that was easy to understand and could benefit any pizza shop. So I decided on text message marketing. Now I've talked to one guy, one guy in particular that I spoke with. He said, if this works for me, I know 150 other Turkish pizza shop owners that we can work with. And I, well, okay, let's, let's make sure this works for you then. So that's an example of one of the good things that, ha- that could happen as a result. I, I didn't have any preconceived notions at the beginning. I would love to say that Leo Quinn quintupled his income during his summer of a thousand no's because that sounds great, but I'll be happy with doubling my income or tripling my income. At this point, I've, I can attribute $1,800 extra dollars that I wouldn't have had without this project since I started in earnest on June 10th. So not too bad. 700 of that is recurring. It's going to come around every month, which is what I like about the marketing business as well. You know, I didn't think about this at the beginning, but maybe this turns into a book because I've done a lot of study on people who've done things like this. And I think it would make a great book just interviewing these people, what they did, how they did it, their process. And the one thing I like about this thing is anybody can do it. And everybody can't run a, a marathon, but everybody can get rejected a hundred times or send a hundred emails and get rejected 20 times. So the thing I like about the rejection challenges is anybody can do them. You just have to come up with the courage to start. It's amazing. I love it. You and and what's interesting is, so so for everybody listening. So the, the you know in the sales development world, we have a, a set of prospects that we're trying to call to talk about our our you know service or our product that we have and and to get appointments. And you know you could look at it like I'm not going to be happy unless I get four appointments. 
Right. And or you could look at it and go, okay, I'm going to collect a hundred no's today, and I'm not going to leave here until a hundred people. Or no, that's a little. Yeah, that's too much. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm not going to leave until I have five. So how about that? Because ten. Hard to be, get somebody. Be brave. Out. Be brave. Ten. Right. So it's a morale <laughs> booster, right? Because you're winning no matter what. And then you would not have found that Turkish pizza shop you know, network had yeah. not made this challenge. That's right. Exactly. And I think I, I'm not sure if it was Andy or somebody said, you know, when no is your goal, it's easy to get on a winning streak. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I think where people have a challenge with this is that they, because going back to your whole life has been about avoiding rejection. And so with this philosophy, we're saying, I'm going to go out and, and increase my rejection in order to get to the other side of where my goal is. That's right. And we really have no control over the yeses. That's why having a, a goal of four yeses can be unrealistic because you have really no control over that. I have pretty good control over the number of no's I get because no is much more prevalent than yes in the business world. Big time. Okay. And so the main challenge that you put together was I'm going to, I'm going to call, there's plenty of, it's a target rich environment with pizza shops. There you go. Increase their business and you've got a great solution. So you've got all the pieces in place, the target rich environment You've got the philosophy of the summer of a thousand no's, and then you just need to put in the work. Now, what do you say to somebody who's trying this for a couple of days? They're getting rejected massively, so they're actually winning, but it, it still hurts, and they're starting to feel really bad. Make it a gamify it. You know, one of the things I would recommend to people is be public about your rejection goal. If you and make it fun. If you had given me a little more background in my introduction. Instead of saying, thanks, great to be here, I would have said, thanks, David, uh, disappointed to be here. <laughs> you know, because I was really looking for no's when I sent out my podcast requests. So make it public, make it fun, make it a game. I now cheer when someone hangs up on me in disgust or whatever, or just says, no, thank you. You know, most people have been very nice. I haven't, I've made close to 2,000 phone calls, I would think, and most people have been very nice. But, you know, we get to hang up, I had one F-bomb dropped on me. So make it fun, make it a game. I saw a post on Facebook recently that said, no guts, no story. So now I have great stories that I can tell about the rejection I faced and the, the yeses I got. I got a, and I'm expanding actually out of pizza shops just because I, I think I've conquered my fear of talking to pizza shop owners. I really want to do more, in, get in, more in-person no's because those are the ones that hurt. Yeah, someone, someone actually face-to-face -face saying no. Yes. Get out of my face. <laughs> and it's funny, yesterday, as an example yesterday, I have a fairly good lip now on my garage. So if I drive in my garage, it's like I'm hitting a speed bump. So I want to get some blacktop to put down there to, to get rid of that lip. So I was driving out yesterday and I, I saw these guys putting in a new parking lot at an apartment complex. And I drove past and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go back and ask if they'll sell me a bucket of blacktop for 10 bucks because I had 10 bucks in my pocket. So I went home and I got a bucket and I, I came back to the work site and I, I, I get out of the car and I walk over and the guy in the, the roller comes over, he rolls over and he, uh, I said, Hey, any chance you guys would sell me a bucket of half a bucket of this stuff for 10 bucks. And he, he uh, says, let me check with my nephew. So he, he rolls the machine backwards and uh, he comes back I'm standing there like an idiot for five minutes in the middle of the street practically. And he comes back and he says, my nephew says, just buy the guy some beer. And there's like five or six guys standing around. Buy, buy the guy some beer and we'll give you. 
And I said, how much beer? And he goes, 36 pack of Coors Light and a 36 pack of Bud Light. So my budget has gone from the $10 I offered them to whatever it's going to cost me for 72 beers. And, you know, I looked around, there's only five guys there. So I turned down his counter offer and I did count that as a no because he didn't accept my offer of $10 for a half a bucket of blacktop. So without this challenge, I would not have done that. Oh my God. Okay. So that's a good one, folks. That's a, that's a, that's a <laughs> takeaway. No guts, no story. Right. Now you've got a hilarious story because you went out on a limb and did that. Wow. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily, if you want to put yourself through the go for no challenge, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, I'm going to call this list of a hundred people and try to mm. get them to say no. It can be anything really, right? There's a, yes, there's a guy named Jia Zhang. He's famous for his hundred days of rejection. And he decided, I can't remember the year, 2012, 13, 14, one of those years, he decided he was going to get rejected once a day, every day for a hundred days. And he, he uh, videotaped it all. So he would, he would go into a burger place, eat the burger, and then ask for a burger refill. And they told him no. He knocked on somebody's door and asked if he could play soccer in their backyard. And they said yes. He went to a, a donut shop and asked them to make him donuts, five donuts in the shape of the Olympic rings. And they said yes. And that's what brought him to prominence because that video went viral. So come up with a, any of these stunt no's, I call them, that you can do just to get to build up the courage to go for the no's that really matter. These stunt no's really don't matter. If you have a toll road like I do where I live, do what I did, a 30 cent toll a couple weeks ago. And I pull up, I hand my ticket, the toll taker says 30 cents, please. And I said, can I pay with this dollar lottery ticket? And he smiled and said, no, sir. So I paid the 30 cents and I gave him the lottery ticket for playing along. So, you know, do things like that that don't have a lot of emotion attached to them, yay or nay, but sort of get you out of your comfort zone. And you can look up Jia Zhang. He's a rejectiontherapy.com. He's got a TED Talk and he lists all the hundred things he did. Amazing. Yeah, I, I remember that guy. I, I saw that and I love your idea for having people take this challenge and then going and interviewing them and bringing it together because the philosophy is one thing, but actually talking to people like yourself who are out there doing it and getting results is, is, is amazing. That's a great idea. Good. Thank you. I talk to a lot of people who are really enthused about it. They say, Hey, I'm going to do that. And when you follow up, they haven't done it. They so, haven't done it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think happens there? Is that back to the whole implementation thing where fear, fear, fear. absolutely. Fear. It's okay. the, the phone, yeah. the phone is very heavy. And something I would recommend that I was thinking about before I got started is find somebody who also should be doing this and team up. So if it's phone calls, you make a call and they make a call. And maybe you just sit on Zoom or Skype and you just support each other in, in doing that. So it's sort of a rejection club, if you will. Team and, up on a rejection club. Okay, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So just it sort of lessens the blow. And I'm always better anyway when I have an audience because I'm trying to make people laugh. So if I got some sort of nasty comment and I was on Zoom and people were listening, you know, I, I would have some fun with that. So if it's something you should do, you should be on the phone, you should be calling people, whatever, and, and you don't want to, find somebody else who should be doing it and start a teamwork aspect of things. You make a call, I make a call, you make a call, I make a call, all that sort of thing. I love that. I love that. And, and let me ask you this. I mean, I think when you're, when you're newer to your career and your, your ego is very fragile because you haven't gotten the shit 
shit kicked out. <laughs> and you don't want to make mistakes in front of your peers. That's really, really tough. When you get to where we are in life, because uh, mm-hmm. we're very close, you know, it's like you realize like, you know what? This is all just kind of a joke anyway. So right. we'll have some fun with it. What, do, what would you say to someone who's like, you know, not only am I afraid of being rejected by the prospects, I'm also afraid of what people are going to think of me in the office. Sure. Actually, the people who are most successful in your office face a tremendous amount of rejection. They probably haven't been vocal about it. And the thing, you know, I don't know, one of the reasons that I've taken this on now is age. I'm 51 now. I really don't care what too many people think of me. And I'm not clubbing baby seals. I'm out there seeking rejection. And I think that's much more fun, a fun way to live than saying, hey, my goal is to make uh, $250,000 this year. If you go around spouting off your goal to make $250,000 a year, you're going to have a lot of people who are not criticizing you to your face necessarily, but you know, they won't be supportive because they're not making $250,000 a year. So I think it's much more fun to have a rejection goal. People are going to talk about you. They're going to think you're crazy, but you'll probably float to the top of uh, the productivity in your office. I love it. I love your attitude about this. This is so, it's so <laughs> refreshing, you know, because the one thing I think about is if you'd state that you're going to make $250,000 a year and you go for that and you work your butt off and then you get to the end of the year and you only made 117000 right. you're totally bummed. You're, you're disappointed. But you look at that and like against the GDP, you know, whatever it is, the personal income of like 99% of the people in the world, you're totally higher. Exactly. You can't be grateful for what you have because you lost, you didn't make your goal, you know? And so instead it's like, you can actually, if you can get your mind around this philosophy, you can have a lot of fun and like actually hit your goal and it's funny and it's fun and you maybe you will make a 250, right? Right. Exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So let me ask you this. You're on the summer of a thousand no's. Did you say how many you've gotten so far? I have not. I'm today I'm at 464. Okay. And it's funny when you call, when you zoom was starting up, I got a, somebody called, I got several people will see a missed call. I don't tend to leave messages now because leaving messages, I can't get a no. So I want them, I want to be able to call them back again, or as happened in this case, someone called me back. They said, yeah, I had a missed number, a missed call from this number. So somebody called me back and I spoke to her and I gave her my little pitch and she says, oh, uh, that sounds interesting. Let me, send me some more information. So darn it, I didn't get 465. <laughs> call. What is, what, how do you classify that? That's a good, that's a good question. So leaving a voicemail doesn't count, obviously, because there's right. nothing in there. But if somebody says... I'm right in the middle of a meeting, send me some information, like the litany of objections yes. that you hear. That doesn't count either? It does not. No, a hang up counts. If I've given my one sentence question at the beginning and, I, and they hang up, that, that counts. counts as a no. A no response to my email doesn't count. It has to be, uh, has to be no or you know, swearing at me or just hanging up. <laughs> okay. There has to be some kind of swear word involved. Yes, and, exactly. Right. And then that counts. I gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I don't know if Andrea and them put out a workbook because that, that book is more of a, it's like a parable. Yes. Right? It's like a yes. business parable. So that, which I really like though. So, you know, they're more, they're more, they're not just another boring book, but what would be cool too is like, 
what's the framework for this and like how do you, what are the nuts and bolts of setting it up and the rules and stuff like that and so that, that could be something that you expand on as well sure they they actually have some videotapes they they went around and interviewed a bunch of people over the years and so they've had and that's the thing i bought the book and then i bought their videotapes and some of their other stuff but i just never bit the bullet and actually went out and got nose so they've got a lot of great information certainly this is amazing okay so if you if you're out there and you're inspired by Leo's story, you want to quintuple your income. <laughs> that's not the goal, though. The goal no, is no. you're going to talk to people and have them say no to you because that on the other side of that fear is how you make the goal that you're actually going after. If you want to do this, if you want to do this challenge, leave a comment in whatever medium that you have or find us on LinkedIn, connect and, and shoot us a note. And then we'll start to gather this community together and make a commitment to do this. Sounds good. All right. And then, and then you can pick two or three people to write your book on. <laughs> we're off to the races, Leo. Thank I've got several people already lined up. There's a few stories out there already. So yeah. Nice. Good luck with everything. Keep in touch with us. Let us know how it goes. And when you hit a thousand, we'll publicize it. And how can people get in touch with you? Is LinkedIn the best or do, do you? Actually, I got a, a Facebook group I call Adventures in Rejection. So if you just go to adventuresinrejection.com, it'll give you a link to the Facebook group and, and my phone number and other stuff. So. Nice. Okay. And so, yeah, if you need the marketing uh, implementation, I mean, obviously Leo's going to go above and beyond. So thanks for being on the show and we'll see you over on Facebook. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum, 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.